Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Why is California a UFO encrypted hotspot? Are there pudgy aliens? What paranormal adventures have been happening there lately? Welcome to the 1016th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Coming to you from Woon AMFM Radio in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, on the Paranormal Radio app and TalkStream Live, and on YouTube. I'm Rick Eno, that was Ben, and Paul is with us too. Everyone yeah, I'm around ben, here somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone except Ben is coming to you via Skype today. Just uh, one quick correction there, Rick. That's uh, W-O-O-N. Oh, AM and sorry. FM. Yeah, they were. Hey, you know, it's your fir- first time with the call with the call letters. Totally fine. But I, I, I would be remiss if I if I did not inform you. Uh, so I guess. So, so on that note, uh, we're happy to have uh, Dev Rooney back with us uh, via Skype today to discuss the latest paranormal news from the Golden State. And uh, Dev Rooney uh, has over 45 years of UFO research and independent investigative experience. Uh, she became interested in UFOs at an early age and has had many UFO sightings, some of which we will be talking about today. Uh, in January of 2008, she became a field investigator for MUFON, uh, M-U-O, or sorry, M-U-F-O-N, uh, and is now the assistant state director of Northern California MUFON. Uh, she has... Uh, spoken at several chapter meetings, conferences, UFO-related uh, radio shows, podcasts, and a couple of TV shows as well. Uh, she is the author of UFO Investigator, A Personal Look into Circumstances, Investigations, and Discovery. Deb Rooney, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for having me back. Well, so, Deb, I guess we'll just hop right into it here. Uh, what's the latest paranormal news uh, from your neck of the woods? Well, um, we have, as far as the MUFON is concerned, we are still leading California uh, with the most reported uh, cases of 54 for uh, September. And, um, you know, my, my reaction to that when I look at these statistics every month is that California usually usually uh, leads in the reports, and I think that's because of the huge amount of population uh, here and because of the weather year-round. There are a lot of people outside. They're looking around. They're taking pictures, and so, you know, they're seeing a lot of things as far as UFOs, UAPs. Um, at one time, I was, not too long ago, I was also the uh, Regional One Director for the North American Dogman Project, and I oversaw 11 states in the West. And this is a group uh, that was founded by Jody Cook, who resides in uh, Ohio. And, um, you know, that there's been reports coming in uh, to him all over the states and um, in other countries as well, uh, of reports of a, a werewolf-looking creature uh, referred to as, as Dogman. And here in California, you know, here's the thing about Dogman. Uh, you're mostly hearing about sightings that happen in the Midwest, uh, Michigan, uh, Ohio, 
but it's really this this cryptid is actually being seen everywhere Texas uh, Colorado and also California so that's the thing about California is that um, we have not only UFOs but we're uh, and Bigfoot Bigfoot is is big out here as well as uh, Pacific Northwest uh, Oregon and Washington but California especially Northern California uh, there's been sightings uh, of, of Bigfoot. Um, I, I knew a, a researcher. He was a Bigfoot researcher out here, but he has left the state. Uh, but he had told me that while he was out, you know, investigating a Bigfoot, uh, he took a picture of a very black Adam animal. And at first he uh, didn't understand what he was seeing, uh, but it it resembled um, dog-like features. And he spoke with me about it, and I said, well, sounds like, um, you know, based on his description, uh, with a, a very long muzzle, these little pointy ears on top, and the very black um, uh, fur, I said, well... Uh, and he shared the picture with me and uh, told me where he saw it at, uh, which was off of uh, Highway 50. And uh, I, I think he saw a, uh, a dog man. But, um, yeah, it was interesting because, you know, here's a, you know, he was out in the field, uh, you know, doing his research for Bigfoot, and then he comes across this creature. This creature has also been seen um, many times by other people. And uh, when I was the uh, Region 1 director for the NADP, uh, we got a few reports. But uh, um, here in California, uh, a guy I talked to um, saw a a dog man up in the uh, Santa Cruz Mountains uh, area. And... uh, there is also there, because uh, I went, uh, there's a Bigfoot-like um, center, a small center there, and I went, and uh, it's kind of situated in that area. But this man uh, talked about seeing the this cryptid, this dog man, and he uh, told me about uh, its features. And uh, I'm sorry, I got allergies. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, it's that it's that time of year. It's yeah, same same here. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, it's driving me nuts. Uh, but um, and there was another lady that put in a report uh, of a dog man, and uh, she had moved out of state. And I spoke with her, and she said this. Uh, she started to hear about this uh, cryptid, and and said to herself, "That's what I had seen," and. Um, this probably happened about 20 years ago up in the Santa Cruz Mountains. Uh, she lived up there, but she went to go visit a friend. And uh, she had her young son with her, and they were leaving quite late to go home. And they were in, in that area uh, of Santa Cruz. And she said that they were driving. And, you know, as they were going through, you know, some of the neighborhoods, there, and there's a lot of people that live up there. Uh, very nice, very uh, wooded. And um, 
and she was coming around a corner, and people had their garbage cans out. She saw something, she said, quite tall, with its head down into the garbage cans, uh, rummaging around. And she started to slow down, like, because it, it was strange. She said it wasn't a person. And she at first she thought it was a bear. And um, as they slowed down, and her headlights were illuminating that area, it stuck, it brought its head out, and it kind of stood up a little bit taller, and she was shocked at what she was seeing, because she said this thing had a dog face, um, clearly, and uh, it, it startled her, basically, because of the fact that she was expecting maybe a bear, but this was this was something totally different. And her son was like, Mom, Mom, what's that? <laughs> and she was just staring at it. And it was looking at them. And she just stepped on the gas and left. And she just wanted to get out of there. Um, but it, it frightened her. And she didn't know what it was for many, many years. And as time was going on, we were, you know, obviously there was more reports of uh, people seeing uh, a creature that, uh, resembled like a werewolf. That's what she said. It kind of looked like that, um, and it scared her. But then she started hearing that people were calling it a dogman. So she went out and researched it and found the NADP and then reported it uh, to them, which in turn came to me because of the fact that it happened here in California, and um, that was one of the states that I oversee. So I got to speak with her about that. So yeah, this this thing is really, um, and it, it it we have here in California we've had um, many sightings over a lot of years uh, in the past, even in Sacramento in the Sacramento area uh, where I live pretty close to now. But <clears throat> um, I spoke to another woman uh, that joined my uh, Mufon uh, local Mufon group and. Uh, she uh, was saying that, well, she lives in, up in the Forest Hill area, and she was just saying that she has a uh, a lot of UFO sightings, a lot of paranormal activity going on with her. And we spoke at length about, I um, at first she didn't realize that a lot of paranormal activity kind of go hand in hand with UFO sightings. And her and her son have had sightings and missing time is what she is saying uh, over the uh, years. And um, for her, she she says that she had noticed that whenever she would have, like, visitors, (laughs) um, she notices an odor and... Like when her like when her skin smells has a smell after she's been in a tanning bed, I felt that I, that was very interesting, um, because I I hadn't heard that before, and uh, so she was just saying that uh, they've had her and her son have experienced many um, missing time episodes, and she's met uh, reptilians and greys and mantids. And uh, she says she said that she's also seen beings that look like twinkling lights. I find that fascinating. Um, and she says she has mostly astral encounters, 
but has had physical encounters as well. And she feels that these beans provide energetic healing. So I, I, I really like hearing this kind of stuff because, um, you know, you always hear people talking about, you know, yeah, they see greys and the reptilians and, you know, the praying mantis types. But when others start, when people start to talk about other types of beings, I always find that really fascinating. And that's what really gets me uh, excited about UFO sightings is when people see um, unusual shaped UFOs as well. That kind of thing um, interests me. And that's why in my book I had uh, broken down the chapters because uh, I profiled 30 cases, close encounter cases in my book. And um, so I'm fascinated with the different shaped UFOs. And I broke those down, those uh, chapters three through six, into different the different shapes, like the triangles, the rectangles, um, the disc-shaped objects. And then a chapter, there's a chapter of um, other type shaped uh, objects that we're seeing. So listening to... Uh, different people and the different experiences they've had um, with different kind of uh, beings that are seen or uh, additional information like when she talked about the odor after they she felt that they were there visiting or coming for her or whatever they you know there's this uh, this is odor and she finally she, at first she couldn't pinpoint like what that smell was and then it reminded her of how her how her skin smelled after being in the tanning bed. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yes, so. indeed. Uh, regarding the uh, upright canine cryptids, as we call them, has the term skinwalker ever crossed your mind? Because that's on a lot of people's minds because of skinwalker ranch at the covered. Mm-hmm. Has that come up? Well, um, because that's a Native American term, and, you know, I think that uh, skinwalker, uh, I think in their uh, folklore as far as, you know, the history for skinwalker, uh, that it was a man shaping into this creature. And so that is probably something a little different because the people that well out here um, nobody really brings up that term skinwalker like I when they talk about what they see uh, it's they don't give it a name as much as they will just talk about the description mm-hmm. and so it'll vary in like so a lot of times it'll be black fur Sometimes it'll be brown or there'll be a gray, maybe a combination. Uh, but they always talk about the face and being canine uh, with a very long muzzle. And that that's what really gives them that impression that it's dog-like. And uh, if it's showing its teeth uh, or growling in any way, then it, com- it, it becomes more of a werewolf and and here's the thing if people are interested in watching um horror movies you know um there are movies that are out there that depict 
these uh, dogman or werewolf creatures, obviously, you know, Van Helsing and, you know, there's dog soldiers. Uh, dog there's soldiers there's, good movie. Yeah, there's, there's all these um, Hollywood uh, movies that uh, depict these uh, werewolf creatures. And if the witnesses that see these creatures, if they have seen that those kind of movies, they'll reference that. But there are times where, um, like that one lady, she didn't uh, she didn't bring up anything like that. And when she did see this creature at pretty close range, um, she didn't know what she was looking at. She was only talking about a description. Hmm. Um, and then she said, you know, after the years were going by and she started to hear, uh, uh, start to research and then saw other people referring it as dog man. So that's the difference, I think. And so Skinwalker Ranch, I do watch that program and everything. Um, and I, and, uh, read the books and everything, but, um, you know that they do see this uh, dogman creature. Deb, in all instances, or has it been in different cases, do, when they're describing the appearance of the dogman, is it always pretty much the same? The snout, the black hair, the height, the weight. I mean, is there variability between them, or no, no? They're definitely like this. Well, yes, there's different types. Um, <clears throat> if uh, people go up on the website, uh, North American Dogman Project. Um, Jody has up there information, uh, a lot of information about reports that have come in, and, and he also has the different uh, types that have been seen. And uh, But I can only speak of what the witnesses that I have spoken to. Uh, one of my first cases... Um, that I spoke to the witness. He was uh, on vacation, and he lives up in Washington State. And he was coming through, coming back uh, through California and up towards Oregon when he decided to go to the uh, Jedediah um, There is a uh, park up there where. He ended up stopping uh, because he wanted to take pictures of that area where, because he was a big Star Wars fan. <clears throat> and um, oh. so it was the Jedediah Smith Redwoods uh, State Park. And um, so this happened in 2017. And uh, he ended up stopping and he, uh, parking, and he said there was a couple cars there, and it was probably around 5 p.m., and um, it was still light out, but he said he went in, and his whole uh, purpose was to go in and uh, take pictures of the Ewok scene <laughs> from the Star Wars movie, and uh, so he's walking along the path, and he did pass a couple of guys that were walking around, and then he came around, and he said he started to hear, uh, like, like these roaring sounds, like two wolves fighting. It was just really 
deep and magnified and it scared him. He was like, what the heck is that? And, and his, um, the hair on his arms and the neck stood up. He, it, it really frightened him because it was loud. And, uh, so he's looking around and, uh, he ends up, uh, kind of like deciding to leave and he ends up seeing um this dark figure standing still in in the forested area you know there's a lot of trees out there and he saw this black uh figure and it was all black about seven feet tall and it was an animal but it was standing on hind legs and he said it was between 250 and 400 pounds and it looked like a bodybuilder. This thing just, the chest was massive. And um, there was a branch that kind of covered its face, a portion of its face. Um, but he was able to see um, that it had pointy ears with some tufts on them and a very long muzzle and really long arms. Uh and the, the waist seemed to be smaller. It wasn't like a Bigfoot where, or a bear where it was just kind of like stocky. Yeah. Uh, this thing, it's massive chest, and then it had like a waist. Okay. And a lot of people talk about that. And then, of course, massive legs. But he ended up, uh, he said it looked just like a werewolf. He didn't call it a dog man. He didn't call it anything other than it looked like a werewolf to him. And so after about 25 seconds at looking at it, and he said he was about 30 yards away from it. So he ended up taking a picture with a cell phone, and then he started to walk away, uh, and then he took a second picture of it. And it was just standing there staring at him. And, uh, so then, uh, he kind of was just looking around and, and he ended up uh, getting back to the car and the cars that were parked there when he arrived were still there. So there are still people out in that park somewhere. But he said, um, when I questioned him, I said, well, do you think you looked at a, you're looking at a black bear? And he goes, oh no, mm-mm. He said, I saw that face. That, that, that is a dog face. That's not a bear. That was not a bear. It wasn't built like a bear. It was huge. It was massive. It just, he said, it looked like a werewolf. He said, it didn't look like a bear or anything. And he goes, it scared the hell out of him. He said, I just wanted to get out of there. Um, so I did, uh, I, I ended up, uh, getting, the original photographs from him and I did some uh, checking on the metadata and everything was intact. This thing was, these pictures were not manipulated at all. It, it talked about because in the metadata you could see the date, the time, the phone that was used as far as the camera, everything, all of the data was intact. So I knew that he didn't manipulate these at all and uh so that those pictures are all over the internet now (laughs) you know a lot of people who have their own youtube channels have grabbed it and talk about it and everything sure yeah that's so interesting 
it's 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 really interesting only only be for a lot of reasons. But one of the things that that I find really fascinating is that you know you you can see through a lot of you know not even just European cultures this this idea of of werewolves, right? I think the the term you know it kind of it, it can turn people off because it, it's it just you know, has a lot of baggage with it, right? Because it makes you think like oh Hollywood movies whatever and and it kind of you know isn't we, I I don't know if we have the, the right terms to be able to describe it. I mean in in your opinion what do you think these things are? Do you think they're actually werewolves, some sort of cryptid? Do you think they're people that are actually you know lycanthropes? What what's your opinion, Dev? Well, based on the research <clears throat> that I've done, uh, because you know originally, um, you know back back in 2017, um, and I think I joined the NADP in in 2018. Um, but prior to that, you know, um, I'm, I'm not a fan of horror films and all that. I don't really watch that stuff. Um, I, I never watched any werewolf movies except for like back in the um back in the day when the 50s you know back in the 50s they put out the the werewolf and the mummy and all that stuff and so as a kid as a kid i watched that stuff um i always thought it was hollywood i always thought uh werewolves were a thing that hollywood made up i didn't know that something like that existed and when i started to um you know some of these uh Paranormal programs uh, were featuring uh, not only UFOs because I watch a lot of the UFO programs, and um, I started to notice that there were cases where these dogmen uh, were and Bigfoot uh, were being seen with UFOs, um, and I found that fascinating. I said, "Wow, what is this?" And then I started to do research, and that's when I met Jody. And he had asked me if I wanted to join the organization and be the, a regional one director for the West. Um, and I had agreed. And so him and I had many, many hours of, of speaking on the phone about what this is, um, you know, what his research was, what I found out, uh, because he knew I was with MUFON and, and I, you know, had a lot of uh, experience in doing UFO research and investigations. So we talked about what this creature could be, and um, you know, there's he he brought up the fact that Egyptians have a god Anubis that looks mm-hmm. like a dog man, right? It's 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 a dog face, it's it's all that, and um, there have been reports of people uh, have seen this dog man creature in a uniform type thing. And so uh, Jody and I were talking about the fact that um, the Egyptians, you know, had this uh, this god that looked like one. But, you know, it's always, is it flesh and blood? Is it, you know, what is it? Yes, there's been people who have shot at them and doesn't seem to really do anything if you have a gun. Um, that's why a lot of hunters that go out into the field um, and come across these things. There's been reports where these people who have been armed to the teeth uh, shooting at these things, nothing happens, and they are terrified to go back out into the field to be and hunt again. 
So, with reports of them being seen in conjunction with UFOs, and the fact that there have been reports of people seeing these things, and then they'll step behind a, a bushes uh, or whatever, and then they seem to just disappear. So, are they same thing that with Bigfoot? Are these things just going into a portal and disappearing? There's that possibility. Um, so I I don't know what they are. Uh, there's just so many reports of of um, of the fact that yes, they're flesh and blood. They're 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 actual uh, beings uh, and very smart. Um, yeah, they their hand. They they actually have hands. They don't have paws like a dog. They actually can open car doors. They can open doors. <laughs> So, like a raccoon will have the ability to actually, you know, so some people are saying they have like raccoon hands, but then they have like these three-inch claws at the end. Um, So, it's very terrifying. Uh, I think if you were to come across something like that, that seven feet tall with massive teeth, a massive chest, you have guns and you shoot at them and (laughs) that's not going to do anything. I think that's pretty scary. Um, Has it ever hurt anyone? Um, yes, there's been reports that people are saying that they have um, uh, been hurt, or um, and then there's reports that people have been killed by them, but I, I don't know how true that is. Um, you know, you just, you, you read you, and, you know, research stuff, and, I mean, unless you're actually speaking to real witnesses and stuff, um, you know, a lot of it is is just testimony, okay? Um, and that's why here at MUFON, you know, we're, we, we speak with the witness, and I've gone out countless times on live investigations where I'm with the witness. We're standing exactly where they saw what they saw. And so when you're looking at someone's face and you're watching their body language and you're listening to their, their testimony, um, at the end of the day, that's what we have. We have testimony. So unless you're with that person, and, you know, there's a million and one videos, photographs of cryptids, of, of everything out there, and people are ooh and aahing about, oh, that that's a great video of a UFO or whatever. But unless you're interviewing the actual witness, the actual, um, and looking at the actual footage, and, and seeing if it's been manipulated or what, I mean, that's all you have, testimony. Mm. And speaking of testimony, it is time for our break. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno and Rick Eno. How many Enos does it take to do a radio show? Well, I guess we will <laughs> find out. Uh, so stick with us. We'll be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Linda Tebow for Aging Well in Woonsocket, inviting you all to a fun and special way to help us with our work at the Gaston A.R. Junior Senior Center. Join us for dinner and laughter as the famous Charlie Hall presents his hilarious look at Aging Well called Aging Disgracefully. What's more, Aging Disgracefully is at 4.30 in the afternoon on a Friday, October 20th. No nighttime driving. Seating at the Senior Center Hall on Social Street is limited, so get your tickets today. 
Thanks to the generous financial support of Blue Cross Blue Shield of Rhode Island, the tickets are only $30 for an afternoon of salad, dynamites, dessert, friends, and laughter you will never forget. Aging Disgracefully supports the health and wellness programs of Aging Well, Inc. Local and live at 99.5 FM. Hello and welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno coming to you from uh, WON AM and FM radio here on the corner of Park Avenue and Kennedy Street in Rhode Island's beautiful Blackstone River Valley here in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. And we have Dev Rooney on with us, and we're talking about some unexpected subjects, and honestly, they're very fascinating. We're talking about uh, the cryptid Dogman, otherwise known as werewolves or canine cryptids, upright canine cryptids specifically. And I have a, you brought up a really interesting point, Dev, and, um, and it, yeah, brought up Anubis, but there's a lot of other, other portions of, of other mythologies that also bring up werewolves as well. Oddly enough, one of the really early Christian saints, Saint Christopher, is depicted as having a dog head. Um, and it's, and there, you know, a lot of people will, will push, push that aside, say, ah, oh, well, it's just, you know, mis, misinterpreted Latin or whatever, cause the, they would, you know, the Latin word for canine was canis, right? So Canaanites, therefore dog people. But it, interestingly enough, in, in the Eastern Church, there's a very different understanding of it. They, they talk about the idea of the monstrous being on the outskirts of society, right? Because they, you know, the idea is that society is made up of concentric circles, right? So in the center and moving outwards, and on the outskirts is where you have all the monstrous things. That's why you know demons existed in deserts, and you know monsters and, and ghosts and stuff were in all these like deserted places because they were on the outside of society. And we still kind of see that today, right? With um, the paranormal being on the outside of society, it's 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 these these things that are kind of on the on the outskirts of our understanding in a sense, rather than, you know, a, a sort of metaphysical location. It's kind of like on the outside of our, our, our periphery, on our peripherals in a way, right? And there's a lot of other really interesting things too. Like the, I don't know if you've ever heard the tale of King Lycan, um, or Lycaon, depending on how you pronounce it, but he was sort of considered the first werewolf in Greek mythology. Um, he, <laughs> There was this idea that the ancient Greeks had um, where if you consumed a human heart, it, would, it was kind of like a performance-enhancing drug. Uh, so there, there, it was this, sort of the same idea, um, except he did it with you know, in a very graphic way. We're not going to go into it because this is commercial radio. Um, but essentially, he gained the powers of a wolf, right? Became animal-like. And there was this idea of, you know, you do animal things, you become animal-like. And it was, you know, like is to like. Yeah, very basic Greek philosophy, right? You know, dirt's attracted to dirt because it's the same thing, not because of gravity. Same, same, same difference, right? So it's, there are all these ideas that have existed throughout many different civilizations of this idea or, or, you know, creature that exists on the peripherals that, that has these qualities that are vaguely human, but they're monstrous. And you can make the same argument for Bigfoot and pretty much anything else in the paranormal. You see, I'm trying to tie this all in here so we can shift subjects. Um, when, it, when it comes to you know ufology, right? You you mentioned earlier in the show, and I, I thought this was a really interesting observation because we're starting to see it as well that a lot of this these phenomena sort of dovetail together. So where you have you know extraterrestrials or UFOs or, or any sort of that kind of high strangeness, you find that there's there's also other things going on, whether it's, you know, Bigfoot, Dogmen, 
you know, poltergeists, etc. Have you found that as time has gone on, that these this is becoming more of of a regular occurrence, or has this always been the case and we just haven't really paid attention to it? Yeah, that's a that's a good uh, that's a good question because um, you know when I get uh, people uh, putting in reports that are historical. And, and I always ask this same question: Why are you why are you reporting this now? And a lot of times they'll say, "Well, I didn't know I could report it anywhere." And then they watched a UFO program, and then they realize, uh, "Oh, they're they're speaking about MUFON, and that they could report it." So I think um, I think these things, if if everybody in the world isn't seeing these things, right? Like I've never seen a dog man. Um, I've never seen a Bigfoot. But then again, I don't spend in woods or wherever they would be seen. Um, I wouldn't know about it. I wouldn't see these things, right? So they're coming in. If they're existing here or they're not and they're coming and they're coming through portals or they're coming through uh, they're coming in UFOs, let's say. Um, and, you know, there there are a lot of different entities, I believe, that exist. And uh, we're not seeing a lot of them. But if they've always been here or always had the ability to come here um, and people have seen these things and they didn't know that they could report something like that, we're not going to hear about it. You know, because that's the first thing that everybody will ask me when they report a UFO to us, and I and I take their case and I talk with them. Is that's the first thing they want to know? Did, it, did anybody else see this? So, and then of course, all we can do is research to see if something was seen in that area on that date and time. So, if we don't report it, we're not going to know about it. Same thing with these uh, cryptids. If you don't report it, no one's going to know about it. And is everybody seeing these things? No. So that that's the that's the short answer as far as we're not all we're not all seeing everything, and we're not all reporting it. So we don't know of it. Now, not uh, I wanted to make a, a comment that as far as California is concerned as far as the different cryptids. There was a sighting that uh, not too long ago, probably a couple years ago, where someone went uh, up to, I think it's the Calusa Casino, and uh, they were coming out and getting ready to leave, and uh, they saw a pterodactyl flying in the sky. I thought that was interesting because, you know, how many times do you hear about that happening? You don't. Now, I don't know if that is that because no one is reporting what they see. Like they'll say, well, I don't know. I didn't want to report it. I don't want anyone to think I'm crazy. Um, there's a lot of reasons why people don't report things. So how many times are people seeing those kind of things? Um, also down in the Fresno area, you know, you have those, uh, the Fresno crawler, very weird looking cryptid. Uh, I'm fascinated by that. Um, so you, you know, you, you're hearing about reports only because someone has either told somebody and it got reported 
or, you know, again, to answer your question, I don't know, like, if people are not going to report things or it's not going to be written down as a historical document in some way, whether it's reported through, uh, because now we have the Internet. Because prior to the Internet, where did you put your reports at? Right now, when I had when I had a sighting of two UFOs during the day at close range, I mean, it was I felt they were pretty close. There were two of them flying over my head in 1978 here in California in broad daylight. It was like three o'clock in the afternoon. And I stood there watching these things fly right over my head, these silver discs. And um, at that time, 1978. Um, I was, uh, I was part of the APRO, the APRO group. I would get in their newsletter. Well, I wrote to them and said, I'd like to report a UFO sighting. Well, they sent me in the mail, <laughs> uh, their report form because there was no internet. So I was able to report an early sighting only because I went out of my way I knew of a place I could report it. I didn't know of MUFON back in those days. I knew of APRO, right. uh, the Aerial Phenomena Research a Research Organization out of uh, Arizona. Mm. So, again, if you're not going to report it, if people see what they see, um, depends how, how many people are seeing things, how many people are reporting them. So that there's the answer to that. That makes sense. Uh, we're, we're kind of burning through the show here, Dev. So uh, take a second. Tell us tell us about your book, where people can find out more about you, maybe a little bit about MUFON, whatever you want to talk about. This is your, your time. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm the author of uh, UFO Investigator, A Personal Look into Circumstance, uh, Investigations, and Discovery. That book is about <clears throat> uh, me and my experiences and how I believe that my experiences have led me to become a UFO investigator. I have been interested in UFOs my entire life, uh, meaning since I was a, a kid, um, really started to get into it deeply in the, in the 70s. And um, the book is available on Amazon, and I actually have a, uh, I run a Rockland MUFON uh, group that we meet every second Saturday of the month in Roseville, California, and um, I do bring my books there where I sell them, and um, I, you know, sign for anyone that would like that. <clears throat> um, the book is also available on Amazon. Um and it's under my name, Deb Rooney, R-U-G-N-E. Uh, I, I like the book because, you know, here's the thing. When you're writing a book, it, it took me a while to try to figure out how I wanted it laid out. How did I want to present this information? And I wanted, I knew I wanted to include, uh, cases of mine. And so I chose 30 cases, close encounter cases um, to profile. And like I said, uh, chapters three through six, actually uh, I broke them down into uh, the different shape UFOs. And, um, you know, some of these cases, I just, 
I'll never forget them because when you're speaking with people, and I am, I'm an experiencer. Uh, I've been taken, and uh, in fact, um, I just noticed, and I can still see it. I have this really deep bruise on my belly, and I have no idea how I got there. And I was talking to a friend that's kind of psychic, and she was saying, oh, yeah, you were taken a few nights ago. I said, oh, boy. <laughs> and, um, you know, here's the thing. I, I don't remember things um, consciously, and I think because it, it, it does frighten me because, um, I don't know, I, I, don't, I, I, I guess I just don't really want to know um, what was happening. <laughs> Um, and I know that must sound strange to uh, people that know that I'm a UFO investigator because I sit there and I spend all my time uh, talking to others who have uh, had experiences or sightings. And I'm fascinated to hear what they have to say because um, I'm in the same boat. Like, I, I understand them. And so some of these cases that are in this book um, are near and dear to my heart because speaking to some uh, a couple of these guys um, and what they saw and how it impacted their life just uh, blows me away because um, I feel bad that something so traumatic has happened that uh, in, in one case, uh, one of the guys, you know, he... Him and his family spent a lot of time uh, up in the Yosemite Valley camping, going hunting. He says I, he it was always hunting up there, always uh, going up in this one area. And when uh, years ago, when he had him and his pregnant wife went up there to just escape the heat of the valley and uh, decided to camp up there, and then that that night, um, an object came down and. Uh, it was huge, and it's he to protect. You know, he he, he was uh, got into protective mode because you know his wife was like seven months pregnant, and he was she was getting frightened. And he said, "Let's get in the car, and let's just get out of here." And they left all their stuff, and uh, this thing started chasing them. He said it was big as a house, and his description of the craft. Uh, was very interesting, and so I hired a digital artist to bring it to life. I got as much detail. I had him draw what he could uh, to describe everything on it, um, because at that close range, you're going to have so much detail, right? And um, so I hired this digital artist to bring that thing to life, and uh, and so the book has these um, color photos. I wanted everything to be color uh, colored. Uh, to make these UFOs pop because, you know, there, there are colors and, and uh, I'm a very visual person so I wanted to make sure that the book was not done in black and white and I wanted as many drawings and um, images as possible. And um, every image of a UFO that's in there is from the witness. Either they have... Um, given me a drawing themselves or provided enough information that I felt um, satisfied with having that drawing uh, represent what they saw. And But this guy and his wife got chased by this UFO, and it, they were terrified. And 
long story short, because <laughs> it's all in the book, but it changed his life so dramatically that he was, they got a divorce. Um, he did, he stopped working. It, it, he never went back up there ever again. He said, this is a place that his family would always go. He didn't, I didn't want to go back. He always went hunting up that way. Nope. He never, he never wanted to go back. And it changed his life for the worst, in my opinion. And, and, uh, and, and of course his, but, um, you know, listening to the emotion-filled um, testimony of him, of his, it just, it touched me. And um, I always just felt so bad that something like that occurs to anyone. Just the fear level is horrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it makes sense. I mean, it's 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 something that shatters your worldview, you know. And and I, I think that that's really important because there's, there's often, oftentimes... Um, as as someone who's been in the field since I was a teenager, right? It's like there there is this idea that you know we kind of negate the personal experience and just focus on the phenomena, right? It's like you focus on the things that happened, and it's like okay, well they saw this, bop 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 bop, but you know who cares what happens then afterwards? It's like okay, cool, yeah, they saw this, there was you know this creature that appeared, but what happened to them? Right. You know, how, how were their lives affected? Sometimes it's really positive. Right. Sometimes, you know, they, they change their lives. They get better. I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head, but there was one one gentleman who had a uh, uh, an experience with Mothman and he ended up becoming like, you know, like a whiz at math, art, like, you know, changed his life. But like, you know, you, you hear these other experiences and they're they're very traumatic. It's it's scary. And it, it's it's so it's so important to to focus on on the person experiencing it because that's where we get the story from right they're the subject that's experiencing the object the object in this and it's 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 so important that we pay attention to the subject not just the object you, you yeah. know i was going to say that a lot of times um, with trauma in general in particularly in this in this genre where uh, we here accept the trauma of uh, an experience or someone who's been abducted, but in, in the general world, I don't think it's completely accepted. And something to really focus on is that individual who's suffering the trauma, you know, that trauma doesn't just stay with that individual. It can become generational. If they have children, family members, everyone gets affected with this, and it goes forward. It's not like any, unlike any other trauma in the battlefield, a car accident, or something horrible happening. It goes on. The hard part is, for these people, is where do they turn to? I mean, I know MUFON's an organization that can hook them up with people that can help them, but in general, if you experience something, and you're not in this sort of ball game that we play, and um, you're not going to know what the heck to do. You're going to be alone, and that trauma can turn into drug use, drinking, abuse, horrible situations, and that often gets forgotten. These people have literally, some of them, you know, like you said, Ben, oh, it's a great experience. The majority I've heard, they're not so great. You know, that's that, unfortunately, they're, they're kind of horrifying. So something we don't often think about. Yeah, and, and that's why I, I, you know, when I talk to these people, and I always, uh, you know, when I'm listening, and I, you know, let them know that they can, you know, Call me, contact me, uh, you know, if they want to talk some more. Um, if they seen anything else, they wanted to chat with me about it. You know, I always try to, uh, you know, be there. And uh, it's important, too, because I, you know, 
I, I can relate. And, um, and even though I don't remember a lot of the conscious stuff that goes on with me, um, I, you know, I have realized that I have become so, I'm very psychic. Um, if I, especially if I'm, if I pay attention to those thoughts that are popping into my head, I, I get answers to things. Um, but I always do try to be there for the people, uh, you know, to chat with because they, a lot of times they thank me. They thank me for listening to them because a lot of times in the past they said, um, when they did bring up their experiences to others, uh, you know, they did get laughed at or, uh, that, you know, no one believed them or whatever. And so I always try to, you know, uh, listen to them and, uh, Pay attention to the human that went through this, you know. Mm. Sure. Sometimes all it takes is just is just listening, you know. And so, so most people don't do that. Just give a lot of unsolicited advice, or just don't care. And so it's you know it, it's it, listening is an incredibly important skill that not a lot of people have. Uh, but we're coming down to the end of the show here, Dev. Thank you for being with us, and and thank you yeah. for for this really fascinating show. And did not go in the direction I expected it to go, but you know that's. I'm okay with it. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, so I guess we'll, we'll we'll hop into our announcements here as we come down to the end of the hour. Uh, the 2023 Western Connecticut UFO Conference is coming up, and that's presented by the Danbury Library, uh, and that will take place virtually and in person. Uh, that's from October 22nd to October 29th. Events will begin here on this show on October 22nd in a few short weeks uh, with special guest uh, Reverend Michael Carter of Ancient Aliens, and live audience interaction, and there's more information to come on that. And the Greater New England UFO Bigfoot Conference is back. This will be a one-day event on our November 19th at the Veterans Memorial Center in Lemonster, Mass. Watch for more information. Also, visit uh, the show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, where you can find nearly 1,200 hours of regular shows and special broadcasts since 2008 from CBS Radio, Achieve Radio, and here on W O O N A M and F M. Also, for you, Ben. Also, here many of these broadcasts on the major podcast platforms, including iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. And don't forget about our show app. Uh, it is free. It's pre- rather bare bones, but you know what? It's at BehindTheParanormal.com, and while you're there, you can browse our books, along with those of our guest co-hosts. Uh, our show website also has a charity page with links to several good causes that we have adopted over the years, including Hope for Hilldale Cemetery in Haverhill, Massachusetts, run by our good friend Tom Spitaleri. USA Cares, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, Helping Haiti's Orphans, and the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America, as well as the Sisterhood of Ground Zero. And before I forget, uh, Dev, where can people find your book? Uh, it, at at Amazon.com, and also um, I just want to put out our local website, NorthernCaliforniaMufon.com. Mm-hmm. The information is on there and a link to the book as well. Ah, lovely. Okay. So what's going on next week, Rick? On October 8th, Paul and Ben will welcome back the legendary Kevin Randall, UFO researcher, veteran of both the U.S. Army and Air Force, to lead us down the weird path of the 1952 UFO outbreak over Washington, D.C. I'm going to be listening to that one. Oh, yeah. It's, it's going to be going to be a real barn burner. Maybe. Yeah. But we'll find, <laughs> I'm sure it will be. So we leave you today uh, with an old Indian saying, All the flowers... 
of all the tomorrows are in the seeds of today. I'm Ben Eno. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Rick Eno. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. You can't vote for them if they're not on the ballot. Nominate today at bestoftheblackstonevalley.com.